Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name is James Pywell and this is the 92 Podcast. I'm on a quest to speak to one fan from each of the 92 football teams that make up the Premier League, the Championship, League One and League Two. Each episode I'll shine the spotlight on a different club, talking to their fans, play silly games and quizzes and learning what it's like to be a supporter of their team. In this episode we take a look at a team that were relegated from the Premier League last season, it's Watford. The board just looked at each other and we just went, yeah, jumped on each other. And I remember the customers were just looking, going, what the hell are you doing? You know, I think he he gets the respect, I think, from, from the fans. But I think kind of it's probably when he retires and when he leaves the club, it's that's when we realise how special of a, of a person and a player he was at the, at the club. I always feel like I'm the, the northeast correspondent for <laughs> Watford when anytime Watford are in the news, I'll get a, a WhatsApp message from a friend saying, what's happening here? And I'm going... Look, I don't know anything. I'm just following the news as you are. Now, Watford are another one of those teams who I know of. I've seen some of their matches on the TV, but I don't really know too much about. Now, to help me add to that knowledge, I'm joined by Hornets fan Ivan. Hello, Ivan. Welcome to the 92 Podcast. Hi, James. Thanks so much for for having me on the podcast. So, how long have you been a fan of Watford? Oh, wow. I'm going to be showing my age now, James. I suppose I was introduced to, to Watford probably about 25 years ago. As you might be able to, to tell by by my accent, this is obviously isn't a an English accent. <laughs> so I I'm originally from from Ireland, from Cork, and I suppose what I would say to that is there's not many Irish Watford fans, let alone Irish Watford fans living kind of in Northern England at the at the moment. But I was introduced to to, to Watford by my aunt and my uncle-in-law, who who actually live in Watford. So I remember years and years ago, my when my uncle came over to uncle-in-law came over to Ireland just to to visit us all. Uh, he was trying to get all his nieces and nephews into become Watford fans. <laughs> now I didn't know anything about the club, but the way he described them to me was they're just like Brazil; they wear yellow. Now this was around France '98 when. Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo, was unbelievable. They were exciting to watch. So I thought, oh, I might as well give give this a go. But I think when I went to my very very first game, I think I soon realised that Watford were not Brazil. But the the kind of the buzz of going to the game, the crowd, kind of the fans, just kind of got to me. And and, and ever since then, I've been a kind of a a lifelong, lifelong Watford fan. Is there ever been any times where you're thinking, why is it Watford that I support? Why is it not the likes of, you know, Liverpool, Manchester United? Well, I'll be honest with you. Growing up in Ireland, I probably spent half of my life telling people that I support Watford, not Waterford, <laughs> um, which is which is very close to where I'm from, but also explaining who Watford were. Most of the times, most people in when I was when I was describing who I supported never kind of actually knew who Watford were. But then the minute I said, "Oh, Elton John used to own them," straight away they go, "Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's the team I, I remember." But yeah, growing up in school, it was quite actually difficult because you had all your traditional Manchester United because of Roy Keane being from kind of Cork in the same area, and loads of Manchester United, Liverpool, kind of uh, Leeds, Celtic. And then you had kind of random Ivan supporting, uh, you know, at the time, a, a championship club called Watford. So growing up, life would have been easier if I just decided to support one of the kind of the big top six. 
but at the end, the end of the day, I, I feel kind of my love for Watford is a lot more truer than maybe their their love for kind of Manchester United or or, or Liverpool or, or those big teams. So you mentioned you're now living in the north of England. How how does that fare? Obviously, you, you're living around teams like Sunderland and Newcastle, those kind of teams. What's the reception been like when you meet people and you're like, well, actually, I'm from Ireland and I support Watford. It's it's it's, a, it's quite funny because it always it's it's always the same face. It's always a confused face, as in, so you're a Watford fan from Ireland, but you're living in the in the northeast of England. And I'm like, yeah, and they just look at you a bit complex, going, please explain. So the story of kind of Brazil and everything else, I've probably told this story probably about a hundred times at least just trying to trying to explain to people but at the same time i think it's a there's a level of respect i get from from my friends yeah. and just random people supporting a kind of you know a, a not top team um as such and kind of staying true to the colors of you know watford weren't always lucky to have be in the premier league for a couple of seasons we didn't previously had owners we had quite poor owners previously and the club was financially in a in a bad position so kind of i been there through kind of what i would say kind of the thick and thin so i i find once i explain why i'm a wafford fan i tend to get a kind of a you know a level of respect but also kind of you're harmless wafford you know they're only a small club they're fine they're not you know they don't deny any other club they don't tend to really have a massive rivalry or or anything else so it's kind of Oh, you're you're safe. We'll put you in the corner, Ivan. So, <laughs> so what is the atmosphere like at Watford games at Vicarage Road? To, to be honest, um, so I even when I was in Ireland, I used to to fly across probably three four times a a season yeah. to to get to, to go to home games. So, um, obviously living in the in the UK now, I'm able to get to the games a bit often. And one thing which I've I brought kind of friends and family members um to to the games, and one thing they've always said about the the the, the club is that how welcoming it is um i suppose kind of looking back watford is traditionally kind of the first proper kind of family club yeah. um going back as far as kind of the graham taylor days and elton john days so watford has always been kind of had that element of a kind of a, a family environment i remember going to a game before and i think maybe kind of an older gentleman maybe swore and there's a big group around them told them off for swearing because there was kids <laughs> nearby where i've been to I've been to Manchester games. I've been to games in the Northeast, Sunderland, Newcastle. I've been to quite 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 a lot of games in, in the UK. I've never seen that before. I've never seen kind of someone telling <laughs> off someone else for kind of for swearing. So I suppose an element then of that is it's a safe environment for for people to go to because look, Watford's it's not renowned for its previous hooligan groups or or anything like that. It's it's always been renowned for kind of a a safe kind of friendly-ish kind of club to, to go to so it's it's really nice and it's really kind of it's, it's kind of assuring that when I when I go to the games and, and regardless who, who I bring or what age they are they'll be going to a game where they feel safe regardless of kind of their background or or anything to that effect so it's it's what I would say it's a really nice environment to go to for for kind of for, for any fan regardless if you're a Watford fan or not so who is it that you go to Watford games with obviously you mentioned you've got family in Watford is it them that you go to the matches with or do you tend to just go yeah by so my aunt and my uncle-in-law have been season ticket holders for god maybe 35 nearly 40 years and they've always sat in the same seats um, as well, even though the seats, in my opinion, aren't the greatest. <laughs> they always sat in the same seats, so they know everyone around them. And 
So I tend to always go to the games, the games with them at that, at this kind of the same time. I've always been very, very lucky to be able to bring kind of friends and and and, and family to the to the particular home games. With the kind of away games, well, nice, nice little random one for you, James, is that I'm actually a member of the North East and Yorkshire Watford Supporters Club. That exists. Our group that exists. <laughs> there's not many of us, James. I'm not going to lie. There's, there's, there's not many of us. Um, there was even less, I think, in the Irish one. I think there was only... <laughs> Three turned up at the meeting for the Irish one years and years ago. So with the the Warford, the with the Northeast and Yorkshire uh, supporters group, it's really really good with that because you get to kind of meet kind of obviously fans who've relocated and kind of find out their stories. But the benefits of that, and in particular with the with, with being in the Northeast, is obviously at one stage I, I was quite lucky enough to be able to get to a Sunderland and Newcastle yeah. game, um, on in the same season with with Watford, and I was I brought some of my friends with me who are. You know, retrospective. You know, other supporters for for different clubs. But what they they loved it. They absolutely enjoyed it, and kind of they have adopted Watford as their kind of their second team. So I always tend to, I always feel like I'm the the northeast correspondent for <laughs> Watford. When anytime Watford are in the news, I'll get a a WhatsApp message from a friend saying what's happening here, and I'm going, look, I don't know anything. I'm just following the news as you are. Just, but I tend to always give um, I always tend to get messages from them, which I think is quite funny. So in terms of the games that you've seen, what is the best Watford game that you've you've been to? That's a really good question. A really tough one as well to answer because I've been to, to a few. Funnily enough, my, my aunt and my uncle were convinced that I was a curse because any game previously I used to go to, genuinely for about 10 years, Watford would always lose. But luckily enough, I was able to go to the 2000, was it 2005 playoff final in Cardiff against Leeds. Now, on that particular weekend, Watford were complete underdogs. We were, we were managed by Eddie Boothright. You know, we, we got a, a team on a very, very low, low, low budget. Leeds were relegated, I think, the previous season or the season before that. So they were hot favourites to kind of to get promoted. Obviously, Leeds with kind of the vast amount of crowds and supporters they bring. But to be honest, James, we just completely outplayed him. I, I don't know if, if it was Leeds stage fright or we just were unbelievable that particular day. But we just completely outperformed them and um, we we won 3-0 in the game and I remember just kind of just the whole day was just an unbelievable experience to to be able to kind of to go and to see your team kind of promoted to the Premier League um, knowing that the likes of Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea are all going to be waiting for you next season. I remember a funny one though because on that weekend it was the same weekend of the Heineken Rugby uh, final yeah. European final. Now my rugby team, my support are Munster, and they were in that final as well. So we were just in a in a that was a Saturday, and the Watford game was a Sunday. So we went on the Sunday to the to the uh, Cardiff for the game, and we we're in the pub outside of the outside of the stadium, and I just heard quite a well similar accent to mine. I was going, "What's going on here?" So I go over to him. I was like, "All right, how are you?" He was like. I missed my ferry, so I thought I'd stay around for the football. And I was like, right, you're now a Watford fan. And I gave him a scarf and I brought him over to my aunt and uncle and he stayed with us for a couple of hours. And we ended up getting him a ticket for the game. It was nowhere near, I think, where us. And at the same time, I think that was probably a good thing he wasn't sitting anywhere near us because I think at that stage he was quite uh, intoxicated, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say. But um, yeah, just kind of that just even made the day itself. It kind of still to this day, I, I have memories. And I joke my with with um, the people that went just about kind of you know that the whole day I I even remember kind of a nasty experience that we had on that day but it was funny because 
we were we won three nil. We're walking back to the train station. Obviously, we were delighted, but we were um, we were walking back, and I remember a, kind of a group of Leeds fans are outside of a bar, and they were kind of hurling loads of abuse and all this kind of you're going to get down, <laughs> get relegated, and all this. And I think my uncle just kind of my uncle's a very quiet man. But he just lost it. He started singing back to them, South End on a Tuesday night, South End on a Tuesday night. And I was going, Jesus, I didn't expect that from Dave, but well done, Dave. I'm very, really, really proud of you. Like, So, yeah, it was just overall as a day, it was just uh, from a game I physically went to, it was just an unbelievable experience, an unbelievable um, kind of stories looking back. Obviously, that's that's the highs of supporting Watford. What about the lows then? Is there any games that you would class as being the worst one you've ever seen? See that's that's quite tough because I probably there's two that jumped jumped to mind. Uh, I suppose the very first one I wouldn't say it was a low because I suppose I was ex- we were kind of expecting it as well. So it was the FA Cup final yeah. against Manchester City. Um, last FA Cup final that Watford were ever in was 1984, and I wasn't even born then. So when when we got to the final. I even though it was against Manchester City, I just thought, you know, I have to go. This is potentially maybe once in a lifetime opportunity to get to, to an FA Cup final. And the weekend I went with a friend of mine, a best friend of mine, and the weekend was amazing. We had a brilliant weekend down in London, I had a laugh, everything else. It was the football that ruined the weekend. <laughs> like it was the football room the weekend. We lost six nil. We had an opportunity at nil nil, uh, Robert Pereira to, to, to score and he, he fluffed his lines and then Man City just kind of took charge and just took over and were Man City that we see today now. Yeah. Um and obviously they beat us six nil. So that was a bit of a kind of if we lost maybe two, three nil and we were, you know, fighting for it. Fair enough, but Man City were just too good for us. I suppose the other kind of the other game, and this was the second time I've been to Wembley, was when we lost the the playoff final, the first playoff final to Crystal Palace, when we had that unbelievable comeback in the in the semi final against Leicester, yeah. and we got to the final against Crystal Palace, and we lost after extra time, one nil, penalty from Kevin Phillips, who was obviously a legendary Sunderland player. But also was actually originally at Watford. Um, so Watford originally, um, he was at Watford and we sold him to, to Sunderland. So that was a great um, plan from us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just um, looking back because we had our, what was frustrating was we had our opportunities in that game to to kind of take it to them. Still to this day, I can't stand Wilfred Zaha. <laughs> um, uh, like I just, it's something that I convinced still he, he, he dived. You know they they got the penalty from from that and Kevin Phillips obviously finished finished it, so that was a a bit of a tough one to take because the season I just think it felt right for us to go up especially with the the semi final and just what happened in that and then the final I think it just would have been the perfect kind of crescendo to the to the season it itself but that's football you know what I mean you you have the highs and you have the lows and that's what. I suppose makes it as exciting as a, as a football fan and in particular a Watford fan to to kind of go to and to watch. So you briefly mentioned there the chaos that was the last few minutes of the semi-final with you know the Leicester penalty, Almunia saving it, and then Watford thundering up the pitch and Dini getting that goal to fire you into the final. I know you've got a story about this. Where were you for that game? Yeah, James. So it was a really strange one. So I was working at the at the time, and I could, it was a Sunday, and I couldn't get the time off. So I had to work the day and it was just me and my my boss in in this particular office and he was also a football fan so I was like look any chance 
I could listen to the game because I couldn't watch it on my phone at the time. It, I know that sounds really old, but I couldn't. I couldn't. So I had to listen to it. So we were listening away, and there was customers coming into the to, into the the office now and again. And all I heard was a oh, penalty for Leicester, and I went typical, like typical. The one time I'm not watching it, the one time I'm not down to the game, blah blah blah. And I was kind of going, oh, I listen to this, and obviously I heard about Amunia saving saving the penalty, and then I was like, oh, get in. We like, and then all you can hear was the commentator on the radio just getting more and more and more excited and then literally me and my boss shushed the customer we said do you mind just two seconds sorry and we turned it up on the radio like to as loud as we possibly could all i remember vividly hearing was hog and then dna and then me and my manager he's my manager's a middlesbrough fan as well we both just looked at each other and we just went yeah jumped on each other and i remember the customer was just looking going what the hell are you doing? Like, what is happening here? And I was like, yeah, going absolute. I was in a full suit, like trying to deal with this customer, but I was going absolute mental for a good 30 seconds. And eventually I was like, right, calm down. And I could just tell my face was just pure red from just kind of the pure adrenaline and excitement of what literally just just happened and the customer anyway we dealt with the customer and the customer left and <laughs> and about a week later a part of the job that i was doing the customer would get a call about feedback and everything else and and the, and the customer noticed yeah that the service was weird but they were a bit strange in the office so they asked like how like can you please explain what you mean by they were strange and the, the customer noted on the feedback form that the two gentlemen behind the counter were so excited about something that they ended up hugging and just jumping up and down and crying so obviously this got from central office back to my manager so my manager had to explain what happened so i think he just made up some sort of like lie or something that he found out that we I found out I was you know my partner was pregnant or something, which was complete lie. It was just very hard to him to explain that Amunia saved the penalty from uh Canacard, who which wasn't a penalty, by the way. We went on the other end with Fior Forestieri on the right hand side. He crossed the ball into Jonathan Hogg and then played it off to Tridini, who smashed it. And then we all jumped on all the fans jumped onto the pitch. And I remember Zola vividly slipping on the pitch because he was wearing suit shoes um he couldn't explain that so i think Lizzie just says oh my uh ivan found out that his partner's uh pregnant so he was just incredibly happy and we celebrated together so yeah so it was just i just remember just as a wofford i don't even think as a wofford fan you have to enjoy that that what just happened in that clip i think bar lester i think everyone fell in love with that particular clip and that is just pure joy and pure excitement and adrenaline of tragedy at one end, but then the excitement at the at the other. And like I was saying, it was just a really shame that we couldn't then kind of uh, do that in the final. And I, I nearly kind of feel that that was our final. That was our kind of our special, our special moment to take to take away from it. I was just really gutted for Gianfranco Zolo that we just couldn't couldn't kind of do it at the at the final step. But yeah. As a kind of as a Wofford fan, that kind of for me kind of stands out as probably one of my most favourite moments ever in football, but not physically being able to watch it ever. Um, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. So you said you've supported Watford for over twenty years. So you've obviously seen quite a lot of players play for the club. Who are some of your favourites? It's it's funny enough because I suppose as a as a Watford fan, 
and the last kind of 20 plus years or so you've had kind of two transition periods so you've had the period before when we had no money you know we had a really low budget you know we kind of we would invest in non-league or kind of lower league players and then try to sell them on and then we've had the obviously the potholes come in and we've had a an influx of loan players from Udinese or Granada <laughs> who've come into the club who have never heard of, still to this day, don't even know who they are. So I suppose in the earlier time growing up when I was first kind of supporting, I had the likes of Hyder Helgeson, um, kind of Danny Weber, who I kind of idolised uh, a, a bit. Hyder Helgeson was probably a similar height to myself, about 5 foot 10, 5 foot 11. But that man could leap about 8 feet. <laughs> like I swear, watching him. He had an unbelievable leap on him and the the amount of headers and stuff he scored for us was was phenomenal kind of going on a little bit later on the likes of kind of jay demerit whose whose story is unbelievable you know from america came to europe to try a football club found a non-league club they paid played watford in, in a pre-season friendly he signed for watford for 500 pounds a week and then in that same season, he ended up getting promoted to the Premier League. It's kind of stuff what dreams are dreams are made of. So the likes of him, Ashley Young, who a lot of people forget, was at Watford, started off at Watford. I know he's at Inter Milan now. I was at his very first game he ever scored. In a, it was a pre-season friendly against Real Zaragoza. And he scored an absolute screamer from about 25, 30, well, 25, 30 yards officially. I was convinced it was about six. <laughs> but he scored an absolute screamer. And I, it's weird because I remember kind of watching it and going, God, this guy's going to be a really good player someday. And obviously he ended up in the likes of Villa, Manchester United and, and Inter Milan. But obviously I, I can't for kind of forget kind of, you know, our, our captain and the legend and no doubt a statue is going to be built once he once he retires, kind of Troy Deeney. I know it's a cliche as as such to talk about Troy, but Troy Deeney, but... In the modern era that we have now, it's not very often players stay at clubs for 10 seasons or no. more. You know, we could have easily kind of uh, kind of let him go when he had a bit of trouble at the beginning of his um, career with, with Watford off the field problems. But we didn't. We kind of we sticked we stuck through him. We, we stuck by him. And obviously now he's he's kind of turned into the kind of the, the legend that he is at the at the club. And obviously captain now as well. So it's kind of. And from a modern era point of view, you know, you have to give Troy Deeney the respect and due that he is because just for staying with the club, he did have offers to leave, but he decided to stay with the club. So I think a lot of probably fans maybe forget that, that, you know, Troy's been with us for such a long period of time. It's, you know, I think he he gets the respect, I think, from from the fans. But I think kind of it's probably when he retires and when he leaves the club, it's that's when we realise how special of a of a person and a player he was at the, at the club itself. Absolutely. So, us football fans were notorious for being a little bit fickle. Are there any players that you particularly didn't enjoy watching? Oh God, how, how long do we have, James? Because <laughs> I can uh, I can mention quite quite a few. <sighs> the difficulty is when you're obviously being a fan that you that you when you were a Wofford fan, we tend to obviously the the Potsos are renowned for a kind of getting players from literally nowhere, brilliant scouting network, getting them into the club. And then kind of we sell them on for for a profit. That's the the model of the club. That's the model in Udinese. So as a Watford fan, sometimes you you accept that. But then that leads to obviously they take quite big gambles on on players. Um, and one player I used to get incredibly frustrated with because he had so much ability was a player called Fernando Forestieri. Yeah. He ended up at Sheffield Wednesday, and he's now actually at um, Udinese as we as we speak. So he's done the full kind of. 
back to the, the, the pot source. But this player had unbelievable technique, um, unbelievable drive, and just what I would say, he had the kind of the raw ability that you might see in the likes of, say, Deli Alley, in the in, in the in the likes of kind of other other kind of players that you just you know he has so much ability, he just sometimes just lacks the lacks the composure. I suppose in the the other kind of other player that stands out for me and which might be a surprise to a lot of a lot of people listening is Ismail Sar. So Ismail Sar, we signed for he's the, he's the club record signing. He, he's 40, 40 million pounds. Um, now he's been linked with Liverpool, Manchester, even in the latest transfer window, he's been linked with the with the teams uh, leaving us. When you watch him, I I just want to shout because I just would love to hire David Beckham just for <laughs> half half the day. And just to show him how to cross the ball, because Ismail Sarr has has the pace to beat any defender in the Championship, and even early in the Premier Premier League. But the, his end product always lets him down. If if you watch him, I love to see the statistics on his he's kind of successful crossing because I think he's too quick for himself. He he gets to a point and he's so quick that he doesn't then know how to tell his legs how to cross the ball <laughs> yeah. in a really good format. So that's why it sounds really silly. I love to get the likes of, say, David Beckham just to spend half an afternoon with him just to show him some techniques how to how to cross the ball. Now, I know that might be quite harsh, but for a player who's the club record signing, he's £40 million. Pounds. Now, he's still young. He's still 20. He's only just turned 23. I think, you know, a lot of... There's so much potential there that that player can turn into, I think, in my opinion, a really, really good... Premier League player but just yeah he's so frustrating to watch in terms of his uh his crossing ability it's just I just think he's his legs are too quick for his brain <laughs> his brain just doesn't know how to react to how quick he is who knows with with time he, he might slow down like the rest of us all do and uh, he, he's crossing might might get better so we've discussed what it's like to be a fan now it's time to test your knowledge you're going to have five questions about Watford and five questions about football in the 92 in general now how do you think you're going to do I'll be 100% honest with James if this quiz was name Irish players <laughs> in the 92 clubs I think I'll be your man but I think any uh, anything else, I, I I might struggle a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I'm very narrow-minded. I'm very like focused on my team and who we're playing. So yeah, I may struggle. I'll be honest. Th- this this set of ten questions is a little bit easier because in previous episodes, I think people have struggled. So I've kind of made them a little bit easier this time round. So we'll see how you do. Question one: In what year were Watford promoted from what was Division One to the Premier League for the first time? Uh, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. I'll give you that. It was 99, yes. Yeah, 99. Question two. Mo Salah's first Premier League appearance was for which club? Chelsea. Question three. What is Will Hughes' shirt number? Oh, Oh, James, you're breaking my heart. It's a 19. It is 19. Well done. Oh, get in. (laughs) Which teams were promoted last season from the Championship? Fulham. West Brom. The really obvious one, this one. Oh, it's, it's worse when you say it's really obvious, James. They won the league. Oh, um, you're gonna kick yourself you out. Say... Leeds. It was of course, Leeds. talking about them. <laughs> oh God, how did I forget? Because you know what it is. I've, I've tried to block out Leeds ever since that incident yeah. in 2005. I blocked Leeds <laughs> out. So. Question five. Name the four stands at Vicarage Road. Uh. Okay, so you have the Rookery end, you have the Elton John stand, the Graham Taylor stand, 
<laughs> I was going to say it's the, the away stand, but that's not that's what it's called. That's where the away fans sit. <laughs> it might be called Vicarage Road End. It is. Well done. Oh, yes. Get in. Get in. Question six. Joey Barton recently left his managerial role at Fleetwood, and this past week has been appointed manager at which other club? Bristol Rovers. It was. Graham Taylor was manager and chairman at Watford, but which team did he manage first? Hmm. I don't think it is but Aston Villa. No, it was Lincoln City. Lincoln, yeah. He went on to study. Uh, <laughs> uh, question eight. What team play at Fratton Park? Portsmouth. Yes. Question nine. Troy Deeney signed for Watford in 2010, but what club did he join from? Uh, Walsall. It was. And your final question. Which Premier League team had a goal ruled out, then allowed, and then disallowed again on Saturday? Was it Brighton? It was Brighton, yes. Yes, get in. So, out of a possible ten, I think you actually got ten. Well, James, no, I'm nine. not going to no, lie. you got nine. Oh, oh, <laughs> breaking my heart there. Breaking my heart there. Um, I, think I, I think I surprised not only yourself, but me as well. I think I surprised myself. Well, well done. So, Thank moving you. on to the current season, and it's, it's going quite well this season, isn't it? You're in third after the loss against Bournemouth on Saturday. How would you sum up the season so far? Yeah, I think I think it's been a good season for us so far. I know it's probably quite controversial to maybe somewhat to some of the fans are thinking, but I I think if people if the fans expected us to kind of go straight back up, I think they've forgotten how tough the championship actually is. I find the championship is one of the only leagues where still I think any team can beat each other. Yeah, um, it's 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 so competitive, so hard to predict now. If you kind of, if you asked, I would say most fans um, at the beginning of the season, you know, you're lying in third with a number of games to go. Would you be happy with this? I think the vast majority would would say yes. Um, it's the, the the big kind of thing for us really was what players would we lose during the kind of the the transfer windows because obviously the the type of players that we had are just were too good for us. Yeah. Um, just didn't perform the previous season, but were too good for us. No, we lost. Um, obviously, quite quite a number, quite a number of players. But but for me, in my in my opinion, we kept on to the. For me, the key players, the likes of kind of Will Hughes, is kind of a massive player that we needed to to keep on. Um, I think we have strengthened correctly in terms of defense. I think defense now we're very solid. I think our our, our midfield pairing. I think is, is is quite good. I think what probably has let us down this season is kind of our, our kind of our investment in in strikers. Now, obviously, Troy Deeney's kind of been ruled out for quite a lot of the season through through injury. Now, he has scored when he plays, but it's all it all tends to be penalties for us. Yeah. Juan Pedro has been brilliant. I think for us, I think he's another player who I think could be quite quite outstanding if he if he, if he kind of leads us, but. The, the likes of kind of say Andre Gray has been he's just lacking confidence this this particular uh, well he's time at Watford I just don't think he's 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 had a good uh, time at, at Watford I think he's lacking in confidence I think obviously he's getting quite a lot of stick from the fans as well so from kind of so from my opinion I think we're in a good position I don't think we will get automatically promoted I think we'll get playoffs which is obviously a, you know it's a lottery on if we can get through the playoffs or not but you know, at the beginning of the season, I kind of I went to a couple of friends and I made a kind of an own kind of side bet with them that it'll be the playoffs that we would get this season instead instead of automatic promotion. But there's still a lot of time to play, so 
who knows in this championship league what will what will happen so you you kind of mentioned it a little bit there in terms of transfers how much has the team changed from the one that got relegated from the top flight yeah so what i would kind of say to that is we have lost quite a lot of our creative players the likes of jacore um delafo pereira Kind of quite a lot of our midfield creativity has has left the club, so it's been it's it's probably been one area I think we we have struggled with a little bit this season. It is kind of being quite creative. We did lose kind of Matt Dawson to 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 West Ham, who, in my opinion, I think played all right for us. But with all due to respect to, to Matt Dawson, when when you hear you sign Matt Dawson, you know, and ask any fan this. Do you really get excited in your stomach, <laughs> in the bottom of your stomach? I didn't. He wasn't, what I would say, a sexy signing. You know, so we, we did lose him. So I think this this kind of season, we have lost, lost quite a lot of our, our creativeness in, in midfield. But with the new kind of formation the manager's playing, which tends to be kind of 4-3-3 at the moment, your, your Ismail Sarr and Ken Sema on each wings are exciting to watch and are kind of quite attack-minded players to, to, to watch. It's just, I, I suppose it, it's quite difficult uh, from a, losing your kind of creativity. The, the owners have come out and said that they would invest when they feel that is needed. And I think quite a lot of fans have been quite annoyed this season that we haven't, we haven't heavily invested in, with players this, this season. But one player, which I think I am looking forward to seeing a little bit more, is a um, player we've bought from the Norwegian link, Ali called Zinkerman. He we've managed to get him on a free. Um, he scored twenty plus goals from midfield uh, in the Norwegian league last season. He was the player of the season. You know to get a player like that for free, I think is is really good kind of business from from the club. But I believe in the owners, um, and I believe kind of in, in in the kind of the kind of their philosophy behind and signing signing players. I suppose you all you have to look at the likes of say Richarlison, who we signed for as just under it was about ten million pounds yeah. or so that we that we signed and you know paid phenomenal for us for a season and we sold him to Everton for fifty million. You know Juan Pedro, who's been scoring as of late for us, cost two million. You know it, the I think kind of as as probably as Watford fans we probably. Are too used of kind of how like spending forty million on a player, spending you know we're quite probably too used to those kind of signings. We need to remember what it was like previously, and to remember what it's like in the championship. You know, it's we need sturdy kind of we need solid players in the championship, um, to kind of just help us get promoted, and then once we're promoted again, we can focus on these luxury signings that that all the fans kind of love to love to read about. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts on the current manager, Chisco? Well, as of this today's recording, he is still manager. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping by the time this obviously podcast is released, he still will be the manager. Um, it, as a Watford fan, we change managers like, you know, sometimes people change, you know, change their underwear. We, we, we change it so often. So with this current manager, I like him. He's, he's very attack minded. He, you know, speaks quite good English, which I know sounds very quite basic, but... I think it's important for him to be able to speak quite good English so he can communicate quite well to the to the players. He comes across as a good man manager. So I think his very first game uh, he played was manager for us was against Norwich who were top of the league at the time. We beat them um we beat them over Christmas. And he just kind of 
kind of got good vibes into the team and kind of you know and he even played like Sweet Caroline I think <laughs> randomly in the changing rooms just to kind of get a feel good factor um, because look it's very cliche but when your players are players are happier and happy with kind of the environment they play better for you and I think under the previous manager or Vladimir the players weren't happy and then they just stopped to stop playing for him so under this kind of current manager I I I'm happy with him, and I'm happy he's he's attack minded because I rather us lose three two than you know maybe scrape a a nil nil or or one nil. He's he's quite attack minded, and I think best thing we can do for for him now is give him to the end of the season and then review it again. For in, in my opinion, so if Watford do get promoted back to the Premier League, do you reckon he would be the right man to take the club forward? I think it's um. I think it's only fair to give the guy an opportunity if he if he gets us a promoters then I think it's only fair to kind of to give him a crack at, at at the Premier League. No, it's not like it's something that we haven't done before in terms of, you know, give a manager a period of time if we're not happy, we switch straight away. That's the Watford model. Yeah. A lot of people don't agree with it, but that's our model and that's what has previously worked for us. So kind of in, in my opinion, I think it's, you know, if he can get us promoted can give him an opportunity to, to show what he can do in the Premier League with a bigger budget. I think he'd be probably more suited personally to the Premier League than the, than the Championship. So. so let's let's cast our minds to earlier on in the season then and, and to cup competitions. Obviously you're, you're out of both the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup now but how important are cup competitions to you? You went out in the third round of both of those competitions. Was that ever a priority or was getting back to the Premier League more important? Premier League. James Premier League is number is number one. Yeah. Is don't get me wrong, everyone loves the experience of kind of a a day out at the at the cup and and everything else. And don't get me wrong, it's it's memories I I would always have going to the going to the FA Cup final. But from the club's point of view, and I think from probably quite a lot of the fans' point of view, is you know let's focus on where we want to be, which is the Premier League, and let's get rid of any kind of sort of distractions. I think, obviously, the cup competitions is a great opportunity for us to play kind of some squad players or to get some uh, young players back in the team because that's something I, I've probably been frustrated with as a, as a fan over the last number of years is we used to have a phenomenal academy yeah. and we now, we, we now focus more on kind of signing players in and trying to maybe sell them on for a higher profit. So the cup competitions is ideal for that, but... At the same time, if you ask uh, any Watford fan, if they would you rather get to an FA Cup final or would you rather and uh, potentially lose or would you rather get promoted? I'm pretty sure most would say get get promoted, and for me, that's kind of my priority this season is just us to get back into the Premier League. Absolutely. So, if Watford do go back to the Premier League, what areas do you think will need strengthening? I think you've alluded to it a little bit there. Yeah, I think it's quite key in the, in in the Premier League that every, every if you look at every club, every club bar you maybe you maybe a top two yeah. or three are looking for strikers. So I would I would love the likes of um, Ivan Tony at, at we were linked to him during the summertime. I would love the likes of him at our club if we got if we got promoted, just to kind of just to see if he could you know embed and could, could 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 have a good run in the Premier the Premier League. You know if you look at the likes of Aston Villa and Ollie Watson, who's obviously came from Brentford, is is doing very well for them. So I would kind of say we do need to strengthen a kind of our, our, our striker area, but from a kind of a midpoint midfield point of view, we just need someone who's a a bit more kind of 
creative going forward. We had obviously Jacoury who went to Everton, who who was that type of player, who was kind of like your your Patrick Vieira as such player. That's a kind of an area we would we would need to strengthen. Um, I feel if we were if we were lucky enough to get promoted. This is the part of the podcast where we get you to pitch your team. So. Picture the scene, you're, you're meeting somebody for the first time and you've got to convince them that Watford is the football team that they need to support. What would you say to them? I would say, do, do you want us to go to support the team where people will always question why often do you change the managers? Um, do, you, do you want to feel safe and, you know, and kind of go to, go to a, a, a club where, you know, all creeds are welcome, but, you know, we're never going to be unbelievable but we're never going to be really really bad we're just your very kind of your average your above average i would say team but uh, what i would kind of add to that then is that you know do you want the kind of the excitement of you know finding out who we've signed and who's this random player from you know brazil that we have signed that no one knows anything about then I think Watford is probably the team team for you. So yeah, I think as as a Watford fan, I think it's always exciting January, January and kind of the summer transfer windows because you literally you sign players and you're going, I have no idea. Even the manager, <laughs> any manager we've recently appointed, obviously the the most current recent one came from the Georgian football league yeah. where he won the league. I didn't even know there was a football league in Georgia <laughs> until, until we signed as manager. So it's really good to broaden your horizons being a Watford fan because you, you learn quite a lot about world football um, as, a, as a fan of us. So if you could create your ideal Watford 11 all time, what would it be? Yes, it, so this is this is quite a tough one, James, because as, as I mentioned before, kind of the amount of players that we have signed, from in particular from um, Udinese and Granada, uh, I think even so much so that Ian Holloway, who was manager of Crystal Palace at the time when they got promoted, even made a sly comment. And he's now on my list of people I don't like, which is really hard because Ian Holloway is a likeable guy. But, you know, he annoyed me with that comment. So going through my kind of my team, I would play probably a 4-3-3, which is, a way, which is the kind of the way we're currently playing at the moment. In goals, it's been quite tough because I mentioned um, previously about Almunia with the penalty save and obviously the octopus. Gomez, Herrera Gomez, who's just a lovable, lovable person and just a really nice person. But I think it has to, I have to go with Ben Foster simply because this is his second time at the club. He was at the club with us originally from on loan from Manchester United. Um, and he was with us when we got promoted that season um, to, the, to the Premier League in 2005. So it has to be Ben Foster, plus his YouTube channel, which is I think is really, really good and really something different to, to watch. So Ben Foster's in goal for me. On my, my back four, the right back has been quite, quite difficult because you have Kiko Firmina, who for me is technically the best right back in the championship, I feel. He, he was previously at Barcelona and Real Madrid. So he's very, very attack-minded. And I think he's an enthusiastic player to, to, to watch. But from a club status and a club legendary point of view, it has to be Lloyd Doyle. This is going back quite a while. Lloyd Doyle paid in hundreds and hundreds of games for us, but only ever scored one goal for Watford. So much so that there was special t-shirts made when he scored for, for Watford. It was a header against QPR. And I remembered when he scored, he didn't know what to do. And to this day, if you ask, um, if you ever see interviews with any of the players who were currently playing at the time, they always go on about how Lloyd Doyle was just a lovely person, but a, 
uh, you know, a good character to have around the, the changing rooms. Kind of going into the centre halves, um, Jay Demerit, just simply because of his story and his um, journey to to becoming a Watford player and a Watford kind of legend, kind of alongside of him then. Interestingly, I would have a player called Sebastian Prodel. We signed him in the very first season we went into the Premier League. He, what I would be described as kind of six foot plus of just pure, pure stone, just nothing got past them, hard as nails, brilliant in the air, just left us, left us last season um, to, to, to go back to, I think, Udinese. But Sebastian Prodel was, was a kind of a under the radar signing, but for me, it was just solid um, and was a brilliant player. And then to kind of to finish my defenders, I would have Paul Robinson. Club legend, now doing quite a lot of work for the uh, the media team at the at the club They're, with their match day reporting. But Paul Robinson was a solid um, kind of left back for for us, and when I was kind of growing up at the at the club. Looking onto your kind of your midfield, this one is a bit difficult, but I'm going very attack minded. So on one side, I have Ashley Young, who I had on the back of my jersey when I was when I was growing up. There was a once when I was talking about earlier about the curse I had of attending games, there was also the curse of um, any player that I would have on the back of my jersey would leave that season. Danny Weber, Heidi Helgeson, Ashley Young, Marilyn King, Clark Carlisle, um, John Joe O'Toole. The list is endless um, of players I would get on the back of my jersey at the beginning of the season and then later that season they would leave. So... Uh, so after Ashley Young, I stopped getting the name printed on the back of my jersey because I really loved Ashley Young. I thought he was an ent- uh, enthusiastic kind of traditional winger to, to play for us. I then have Adelaide Decore because just the pure kind of raw talent, the kind of the Patrick Vieira style of running. And that man has the motor of someone I've never seen before. He can just go on and on all day for us. And I think he's now showing it for Everton at the moment. I think he's playing really, really well for Everton. And I think it's he's someone that we were could have initially sold him to, to for 40 million. We kept on to him. Uh, for another season um, but yeah he's another player I think is phenomenal and then to finish off the midfield is Will Hughes vastly I don't think he's underrated by Watford fans I think every Watford fan is a big fan of him I think he's just maybe slightly underrated by other clubs just he's the way he tempos the, the game and the way he intercepts the, the, the play he's just uh, it, it, well put it this way there's no it's clearly quite obvious the reason why we went on a last kind of out of our last five games we won four was because Will Hughes is back in the team and um, was back from injury. So I think he's one player I think is um, is really, really kind of good and fits into my, my team quite well. Strikers-wise, um, so this was quite easy in terms of two out of the three. So Troy Deeney, I have to put it in, club legend, you know, in the top, I think top three now of the all-time goal scorers for the, for the club. Adian Gallo, who was obviously uh, was phenomenal for us when he was in the Premier League, him and Troy Deeney went on this unbelievable kind of partnership. Reminded me of kind of Andy Cole and Dwight York kind of partnership. Um, now, Gallo obviously ended up in China, back at Manchester United for a little bit, which this would sound really silly. I was actually really happy for him because he's a, he's a big, big Manchester United fan. And he's now, I think, in, in Saudi Arabia at the moment. But Gallo for... For me, it was just a pure goal scorer, good, great striker. The final striker and the final player in the team is a really difficult one because I was torn between kind of the likes of uh, Heider Helgeson, 
Danny Graham. Danny Graham was phenomenal for us for the two, three seasons he played for us. It was his best goal scoring form of his whole career with us. I mentioned obviously kind of Richardson as 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 well, who was phenomenal. But it has to go to Vidra, who's who's now at, at Burnley. Um the season we got promoted to Premier League, um under the first season under the Potzels, he got twenty plus goals by, by February. He was nominated and won player of the year for, for that season. And he he and kind of Troy Deeney together were just phenomenal pairing. Now, when he got to the Premier League, I don't think he was a bit harsh, maybe good enough to play for the, in the Premier League. Um, and I think, you know, he's been at Derby and, you know, he's been at Burnley since. I think he falls onto the, the problem of Robert Cronshaw, you know, too good for the Championship, but not good enough for the Premier League. You know, you're Darren Huckabee, potentially. Um, you know, it's a couple of Conor Hurahan and another player to name. You know, a little bit just too good for the Championship, but just not good enough for the Premier League. So... Vidra falls into my um, my last player in my in my dream team. Well, thank you very much, Ivan, and good luck to Watford for the rest of the season. Cheers, James. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Ivan for talking to us, and of course, thank you for listening. If you'd like to help me on my quest to speak to at least one fan from each of the clubs in the 92 and talk all about your club, you can find us on Twitter at the92podcast or email us the92podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving us a rating and a review. Next time, I'll be talking to another fan from another club in the 92. See you then.